Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cinema Sommelier, where we taste test films. I am Gary T. Moore. And I'm Zachary Wachaleski. And today we're going to watch 2012 Wachowski movie, Cloud Atlas. All right, let's talk about this movie. This is a very plot-driven movie. Uh, so this movie actually takes place across many different time periods. Uh, the, the couple settings that we have, I'm going to read them off because it's going to be hard to remember everything. But the first setting is a ship crossing the Pacific in 1849. The second is a home of an elderly composer in 1936 in Edinburgh, or Edinburgh. Edinburgh uh, the yeah. third... San Francisco and a nearby nuclear power plant in 1973. Fourth, London and an Edinburgh uh, nursing home in 2012. Fifth, Neo Seoul, which is basically Seoul, um, but it's the capital of a half-ruined Korea in 2144. And then the last one was a valley and a mountain on a post-apocalyptic Hawaii in 2321. I don't even want to go into details with oh everything that happened God. in all of those places, <laughs> but this is a cast filled movie mm-hmm. i say mm-hmm. we just sort of dive right in it's probably more important to to talk in detail we just gotta, about some of these we just things. gotta rip the band-aid we just gotta yeah, yeah we just gotta uh, yeah okay so um i this is one of the films uh i had to finish in two parts right uh as we've learned by now i'm not a long long movie film uh movie film wow uh, film person and this was what uh two hours and 52 minutes which is j- about 52 minutes too long i think <laughs> I, um, I also watched this i watched this in two parts i watched the first hour and then i watched the the last two hours so i split it at the first hour i still had no idea what was going no. on with nothing. this movie, nothing. Uh, there, there is just so many bouncing back and forth moments and accents and people changing characters that I mm-hmm. was, I was struggling to to come up with the timeline of, of what's happening. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, Gary, they're they're all going to individually resolve themselves like 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 you know you try to focus on at least one storyline um yes they're all intertwined and they intermingle and you know have have very much you know uh similar attributes to them which is the point of the film i believe there were okay needless to say there were some i liked a lot more than others yeah, some were definitely more more captivating. I, I find myself, like, some of the humor moments, uh, just to dive into one specifically, I thought the nursing home moments were just yeah. absolutely brilliant works of, that like, was... comedic relief in all yes. of the, the nonsensical connections that it seemed like that movie was trying to, like, get you to, to rationalize. So some of the, like, the, them trying to break out and and stealing the car and and all of the antics that took place of them going back and picking up their friend and then going to this bar i was i was more captivated in just that span of like five to ten minutes than i was i think the rest of the movie a one hundred percent um yeah uh i I thought mr meeks which was the 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 guy who barely spoke i know i I know precious (laughs) precious <laughs> he was precious um i literally wrote in my notes the old folks home may be the best storyline 
Yeah. Um, I thought you got the most out of it. Um, to be honest with you, um, I I I really enjoyed it. I found myself really enjoying those parts. Um, I I do wish that there was a little bit of a buffer between changes or something. I understand you can't do it for for everything, and and towards the you know towards the middle and the end, they they started to overlap with dialogue and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it was. Whew, it was a voyage. It was a voyage um, that that everyone went on. Uh, what um, do, do you have any parts that that you weren't like you were just like oh bro uh, like that you rolled your eyes at any time <laughs> it came on screen because I know I do. I and I'm I'm wondering if it's the same. Tom Hanks, as brilliant as he is as an actor, switching roles throughout this this movie effortlessly, his post apocalyptic time frame with his accents his broken english his talking the true true it was it just felt like i was supposed to be laughing at it like i couldn't understand the reason why they had to have all of this like almost comedic dialogue that they were just speaking so seriously like this was like this is the end of the world like if if I don't do this thing right, then I'm going to get eaten by a cannibal. And I'm just like, then why are you talking such gibberish and like silly dialogue? So that I was wanted, the one that I, I couldn't do. I wanted to borrow the Ruger during those scenes. Uh, if, if you catch my drift, Jesus, it was just not good. I did not like that part. Um, I don't think that, that, that those scenes really progressed at all. It was just like, okay, you have to get from one place to the other. And the, all through it, it's like that's all they accomplished, and barely. And and although I dug um, uh, Mr. Anderson as that weird kind of <laughs> demon thing, which I don't know what he was really, I dug Hugo, that character. Hugo Weaving. Hugo yeah. Weaving. Uh, yes. Sorry, the name escaped me. Uh, I I thought him as that character was great, although. I don't, I could not, if you held the Ruger to my head and said, Gary, what was he? I couldn't answer. I Was he like a spirit, a leprechaun? A, I don't know. He was a figment, in my opinion, I guess. He was a figment of Tom Hanks' imagination. Like, it, it's almost his, like, mor- morality of, like, he was the, the like, devil on one shoulder of, like, hey, like, drop her off the yeah. cliff and, like, do this stuff. It, and it, it was just, it was weird. I, I completely agree. Um diving a little bit into that and the thing that i i love about the movie i'm i'm a very easter egg loving type of, of, course, of movie of goer i i love seeing some things that are connected in certain ways and this movie is full of them like this That's movie all is, it is everything is connected <laughs> yeah yeah um it's the thing that the the wachowskis do so well and like it's what they've been focusing on for a lot of their their uh their works but it, it's the not necessarily each story independently, but it's almost the progression of the reincarnated people over time of like, it's, it's that karma. How did you come back? Like, did you progress in a positive fashion throughout the years, a negative fashion? And so I think like you look at Tom Hanks um, and spoiler alert for any of these, I don't even know if this movie can be spoiled. It it is just a nightmare that you're gonna have to research anyway. But <laughs> t- Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks starts basically as this ship doctor, and he's poisoning this lawyer who's taking this voyage, so that way he can steal his gold. Which 
I, I don't even want to get into the fact <laughs> that he could have just broken the chest and gotten the gold anyway, but um, <laughs> he was poisoning him. So he starts off as this super negative being, this bad person in the first storyline, time period-wise. And then as he's progressing he's kind of getting better and better. Like he gets to the point where he's in like 70 San Francisco and he's trying to help Halle Berry stop this like nuclear power plant from hurting a bunch of people. I don't quite remember the reasoning behind why they wanted to do I, it, but, I, but he, he's getting better. And then by the end, he's, he's a bit confused as to what to do because he has this bad moral compass guy who's telling him to, to hurt people. But but he is somehow getting better. And then you have other people who are moving the opposite direction throughout the stories. People who start good and then start getting a little bit worse and worse. Or, or in Hugo Weaving's perspective, he's kind of always the bad guy who doesn't really care about other people throughout. So, like, I like how they kind of tie that reincarnation part. But it, it is deep to think about oh. all of that. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing there's, – there's not a lot of face value to this at all. Yeah, so I, I – I see where you're coming from on the progression of people. Um, and I, I think that maybe, maybe what uh, chaotic neutral was my favorite. So like, I, I enjoyed the seventies a lot. I thought that that was cool. Um, um, and that really, that really breaks into what I wanted to talk about next is the uh, production value. If we take nothing away from this film at all, uh, but the production value, you have a good film, right? Um, I think that that the uh, the makeup, Jesus, uh, the the sets, the 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 setting, the the everything that you see and hear uh, as part of the production was fantastic. Yeah, no, I I mean that's part of what was necessary for this movie. And I think probably what made this movie so expensive was the fact that you almost have, you have six movies going on inside of one movie. Oh. So you have six different sets and six different people who are trying to play a different person. So the makeup, like it, I mean, you had Halle Berry being a myriad of different people. Um, not only just the Halle Berry from the seventies scenes, but, but yeah, no, it, it, it was, it was great. There were some times I was just like, I don't even know who you're supposed to be. Like, I know you're a famous person, but like you have <laughs> covered them up so deeply that Absolutely. I'm like, I don't know who you are. Um, I think like the, the lady who plays uh, San Mi um, by Duna, uh, I think her name is when she played, she played the, the Hispanic lady oh my God. in that 70s scene. I'm just like, you look nothing like her. No. Um, and her broken Spanish might have, been a dead giveaway that it wasn't it was actually her but but yeah so they, they did a phenomenal job there if i if i if you if you break it down if you look at each thing as its individual film i could not tell you that that was the same woman yeah. i couldn't tell you um luckily we were we were kind of handed these gems like this is gonna be this person kind of thing or you knew to look for them right yeah. Um, so like, essentially they had a cast of like 10 people, uh, which, yeah. which is, which is, you know, saying something I thought it was, uh, it was interesting. Um, I would, I would like, and, and me and Rachel were talking about this earlier. I think it would be a neat, uh, production to see live. Yeah. I think it would be a cool, I don't know how you would pull it off. It'd be a tough production um, to do live, but I think it would be a cool, uh, play, um, 
And you wouldn't, I don't think you'd have to, you might not have to do the same person playing each role uh, like you did in this one. But like, as long as, you know, there's similarities um, uh, between them, I think, I think you could do it. I, I I don't know how, I wouldn't know where to begin. Um, But I, I thought it was production value. It was gorgeous. It was, it was, it was great. Um, This, I, this originally came from a book. So yes. uh, this is a book. I, I forget the the name of the author. I, I think David Mitchell um, was his name. So he wrote this book. He didn't anticipate this being able to be converted over from a story standpoint to be right. converted over into any form. Um, and he was actually very pleased with how the Wachowskis put this uh, into a movie, which I thought was actually phenomenal. I, I think because of, they took some creative liberties, differed it from the book enough, but like this is one of those rare movies that like was successful uh, in in terms yeah. of the author in converting it. So yeah, I I mean I think this could be converted in a couple different venues. My thought was uh, semi ironically to put it into like a mini series, like something on Netflix that you could put across would've a couple worked, worked episodes. A lot <laughs> um, because it, it has this like, and this is the author's words, not mine, but like a Russian nesting doll approach to this. Like I see that yeah. the, the book has this, like it starts over um, periodically because of all these different time elements. And that almost lends itself to an episode by episode basis of like, mm-hmm. why don't you just start over a new episode um, and progress it slowly? So that's, that's more of what I was thinking, but yeah, I, I could totally see this going into a, a live production theater. One of the things I, I, I wasn't a fan of, uh, and there are many, uh, is the fact that they mentioned probably five or six times that, oh, this would be a great book. Oh, uh, book, book, book. And I'm like, yes, yes, of uh, yes, every, yes. Everyone, I think everyone who saw the movie, not everyone, most people that saw the movie probably read the book or probably knew it was a book. The fact that they deliberately said, uh, they had the kids say, um, this would make a great book. And then it jumps into like, uh, homeboy typing in the 1800s. I'm just like, Oh, I felt beaten with it. And I was not a fan of that. I, I didn't take that as a node to the actual book as much as I did the elements of the fact that there was like, there were pieces of work from one storyline that were basically picked up and and inherited by the next storyline so like the book that she was writing in the 70s was then picked up um in the 2012 version and and so forth like the the sextet that the composer put together was listened to in the 70s so there were elements of like crossover art forms um so that's kind of how i did it which bothered me a little bit less than it sounds like it bothered you but (laughs) but yes i I, to your point there were a lot of things in, in this movie that that did frustrate me um and i i I liked uh the music i i thought the the music that the actually i wrote that that was one of my uh one of my favorite scenes the i wrote uh the old folks home maybe the best storyline but it's a tie with the uh uh the composer scene i think that alone like i was invested in that right um to me it was a, a very yes it was kind of a basic like love story whatever but I thought it was very well done, very well executed. You had like, you know, you had things that um, there were bigger risks involved. And it it didn't jump to like, oh, the you know, civilization's going to, the world's going to explode. Ah, oh, this, you know, all these 
manufactured people are gonna die and what, whatever whatever it was just it was a basic like love story and i thought for the most part of that story it was done very well yeah no i i'd echo that same sentiment and i don't think i would have been able to put it into words as as well as you did there's just a a level of are we invested in this when it comes to like the future ones like they they, they yeah. made it so <laughs> difficult to juxtapose next to something that has a historical basis in our minds because it existed then when we jump to the 2144 and the 2321 years it's like i don't really know what's going on here and like because it's basically a short film within a film there wasn't a lot to to go off of you had to kind of pick up on things And, and that's my biggest complaint of this movie in general is i feel like if you didn't read the book it's impossible to to take anything away from this and movies shouldn't be that way in my opinion like yeah. i should be able to watch a movie and and know how to feel this is a movie i watched the movie and was like i don't i don't even know what i'm supposed to have seen i was no exactly i felt the same way the whole time i was like i uh, what uh, like where's tom hanks like <laughs> i i don't i didn't know and yeah it was just so distant the the yeah. future and it was just so I, I felt like they're like, oh, we have these two or three very good storylines, but we're going to sprinkle in some garbage. But they're already going to be hooked with the two or three good storylines. And it almost didn't work for me. I, If I wasn't doing this for this podcast, I wouldn't have finished the movie. I can, I can, I can promise you that. I think I'm in the same boat. I, I would have probably given up hope that I was going to understand it. I'm glad that I did finish it. I will say, like, this is a movie that if you can commit to the three hours of it, it's better than committing to an hour or two hours and giving up. Like you do get a little bit, or I did at least got a bit of satisfaction with seeing some of how things were connected. Like those, that doesn't start happening until about halfway into the movie. You start really getting a, a strong sense of connection between the timelines of like, all right, Tom Hanks in the post apocalyptic, like basically idolizes San me from the Neo soul. And so there's there's a lot of that that I, I just I enjoyed more when they connected. True. No, absolutely. Um, let's see what's what's a note that I have. Uh, the fight scenes. I thought the fight scenes were great, especially the one in 2012. Um, starting out with the homeboy punching. Uh, um, uh, who did he punch exactly? Either way, throwing the, the punch in the tooth goes flying and lands oh, in the yes. ear. I thought that was great. And then the rest of the fight scene was was very fun, very well orchestrated, um, as was the fight scene uh, below deck on the ship. I thought that was great. And then I will say this, uh, a positive about the, the, post, the post-apocalyptic future. Uh, you got to see Tom Hanks be a savage. Yeah. Like, he's he just straight up murked the guy. And I'm just like, okay. Like, <laughs> his conscience was like, you're not going to kill him while he's asleep. You're not going to do it. So it seemed like he woke him up and then just killed him. And I thought that was uh, great. I <laughs> thought that, that was very well done. That scene made me laugh because when he, so he originally, I, th- I don't remember who he got that piece of advice from of like, if he's, sil- if he's sleeping, don't cut his throat um, was essentially the line that yeah. he was told. And when he walked in and the guy was sleeping, this is like an hour, hour and a half after he was told that. 
based on the movie's progression. So I'm like, this had happened so long ago that I was like, oh, is he going to slit his throat? Because he was told not to do that if his enemy's asleep. And Haley's like, I don't even remember that part of the movie. Like, I didn't. I didn't. It, I'm glad they said it again. I, exactly. I have no idea where it came from. And, and I, I applaud them for almost recognizing that like they've probably forgotten we should remind him that this line was uh spoken to tom hanks's character so i I think they know they knew that this is just it's a tough ask from an audience perspective to follow along some of these storylines again i'm i'm glad they did it it's it's just a difficult concept of a movie yeah um another thing that i wrote down is that the uh, there were a lot of cool sound editing transitions. Um, like if you were, uh, there was one I remember where it went from like the uh, something like rhythmically tapping to the train, and I'm like, oh, that's very cool. That shows you like it. It helped connect it a little bit better, and I think that anytime they can bridge those gaps, I more than welcomed it. Yeah, I don't know who the composer was for this movie, but very big kudos to them. Like there were so many like thematic like elements of this movie that going across six different timelines from I mean olden times to 2300 something um in in keeping elements of the same type of music to have that feeling of continuity throughout. I thought was yeah. impressive. Like they, they went from, I mean, you had, uh, you had people who were composing different music to then in the post-apocalyptic, like almost like a choral element to it. So they, they changed the mm-hmm. like Avenue that they expressed it. Um, but, but it kept a lot of the same, same themes. Uh, and it's Tom Tykwer was Tom Tykwer. Yes. So. Yeah. He had a, whew, uh, whew. I wonder as a composer, like, I imagine you do, like, read the script. I couldn't imagine reading this as a book. I'm not a big reader. I think people know this. But, like, I couldn't, I, I, oh. I wonder who was like, we're going to take this book, which had to be longer than the Bible, um, and, and more confusing. And I wonder who was like, you know what, let's put this on film. Let's do it. Um, only the Wachowskis. And God. I will say, like, my the reason why I said my ironic note of should have changed it to like a mini series and, and put it on Netflix or something was because they also did Sense Eight. And I think Sense Eight was almost a, a much better version of this, of people being connected, putting it across these different episodes. So this could, if anything, at least be a shout out to if you enjoyed this movie, you will enjoy Sense Eight probably more um so go watch that highly recommend uh that tv show from the wachowskis i think it would have been more successful as a as a mini series yeah um it would have been it would have seemed like a bigger payoff you know um i i just yeah just something (sighs) something had to give it's too ambitious uh i honestly i don't even know if it could be successful in the way that we want it to be successful. Like I, I do like the the plot and I like the, how everything's connected. That's my type of movie. Yeah. There's just no way, unless you have like a, a cork board and you're literally stringing together all of the ways mm-hmm. people are connected. It's just impossible. I, I really don't think that you could watch this in one take and be like, I get it. I get everything. Oh God, um, no. But the thing is, I don't want to watch it again. No, 
I, I, I have no desire. Like, I'm going to take with me what I've learned from the film uh, is that Tom Hanks can kill people. Um, <laughs> and I, I will, I will, and, and the beautiful images I saw, like, it was filmed very, very well. Yes. Uh, and that goes back to production value. Like, I, the first scene you see when, you know, it's Tom Hanks on the beach, you don't even know it's Tom Hanks. I'm like, this is gorgeous. Like, it, maybe that was me trying to keep it positive in my head. Um, but anyway, let's let's yeah. get this bad boy to some ratings. I think that uh, I, I mean I'm pretty sure both of us and the audience knows where this is going. Um, <laughs> so so I will I'll start with you. Uh, let, what, okay. what would you rate this this this? I, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm speaking for both of us here. So production value A plus did fantastic. I, I can't praise them enough for everything that they did there. I will repeat what I've been saying throughout the rest of this podcast is it's just too ambitious of an effort. Like I, and I, I don't want to critique somebody for being too ambitious, but if I can't understand what's going on in a movie halfway through, then mm-hmm. it's a, it's a bit much, it's a bit of an ask uh, for the everyday average viewer. If you did understand it, then like, again, I, I applaud you and I applaud Kudos. them for, for doing it. So I would have to say like, I'm not going to watch it again. So I can't put it at a five or higher. Like I have to put it below average. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go a four. Like, I, I think that again, I want to, I want to reward them as much as I can for the production value mm-hmm. and the ambitious and in all the connections that they put through the stories. It is a saga, um, but just not a saga that I'm going to rewatch. Okay. Yeah. I, yes. Um, I wrote in my notes, um, how could a cast this good make such a mediocre movie? Wow. I, yeah, no, I know. But like, look at the cast. It's, yeah, it's great. And there were some great individual performances. And I think that it it really stretched people as actors. And, uh, I applaud that a lot. Um, once again, I applaud, you know, the production value a lot. Um, I I applaud one, no, like two, eight of the six <laughs> of yeah, whatever. I applaud a, a percentage of how the film was made. So with that being said, I I'm gonna give it like a three and a half. Okay. Um, I I what I liked, I really liked, but the bad just way outweighs the good and. Uh, I'm sorry, Tom Hanks. I'm glad I've seen this movie of yours, uh, and I'm glad it's in my mind. Uh, but I, I will never watch it again. Glad it's over as well. Yes, I am glad <laughs> that two hours and fifty-two minutes of um, Wachowski films is is done. Yeah, it is. It is our first thumbs down of a movie that we have uh, yeah. Had. Um. So I think we owe it to the people. <laughs> yes, yeah, at this point, we, we need to give you some variety, give you a bad movie to watch. If you like this movie, let us know why. Feel free to Please. reach out to us and, and say, hey, this is what you guys missed. And I'm sure we did. This movie, there's a lot to catch on to. So i uh, love to hear from, from our, our dying, loving fans um, as to why you would enjoy a movie that we potentially did not. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, okay, let's go ahead and spin that wheel. 
And our next movie is 2005's Zathura. Zathura or Zathura? Uh, Directed by, I did not know this, uh, John Favreau. The elf man Um, himself. The elf? Yeah, he is. What a career that gentleman has had. Um, I have, have you seen this movie? I don't believe I have. If I have, it's a long time ago. So I'm excited to rewatch. I I think when this came out, I'm like, oh, that's just like Jumanji. So I never watched it. Although I do love Jumanji. Um, I know something about space and there's a weird shit or something. I don't know. I'm excited to watch this. Um, Absolutely. So bring your star phasers. (laughs) And bring your space suits. And, and I guess let's go to space. Let's go to, let's do it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Cinema Somalia. I'm Zach. I am Gary. Until next time. Oh, God. <laughs> the oh, God at the end. <laughs>